Thank you, uh, Luigi and Andrea. Let's stand together, 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. And we'll begin our reading in verse number 2 and read down through verse number 7. And Paul writes to these here and, um, and expressing again, like we saw in Galatians, his heart. He wants to get across. He doesn't want to be misunderstood. And he says, verse 2, receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. I speak not this to condemn you. For I have said before that you, ye are in our hearts to die and live with you. He's saying, I want you to, to receive us. I want you to hear me. We've not done anything of deceit. We, our ministry's not been to hurt anybody. We've not been corrupted in our dealings. We've not stolen from anybody. Um, we're, verse 3, so I'm, I'm not here to just bring condemnation that you feel bad. You're in our hearts. Our hearts beat for you. Verse 4, great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my glorying of you. Again, so many similarities what he's saying here is what we saw in Galatians. And he says, I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings. Within were fears. Nevertheless, God, that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoiced the more. So as we begin this new set of messages, practical, they're intended to be, and it's just helping us know how to cope with our emotions. The word cope it simply means to deal effectively with something difficult. And I believe God wants to use these messages in our lives to help us so that we can uh, deal effectively with something that He's given to us, He's created and tonight, I want to look at this one, looking at what Paul has mentioned here, and that is the matter of stress. Finding success over your stress. Success over your stress. Thank you. Please be seated. We may all show emotions different, but we all have emotions. Sometimes our emotions can either get us into trouble, or sometimes it can get us out of trouble or keep us from getting into trouble, all depending upon how we manage our emotions. Like everything else that God's given to us, Satan enjoys taking those things that God has given to us and intended for our good. Satan gets in and tries to disrupt and distort so that he can ultimately destroy our life, our testimony, and our experience of God. And a lot of the ways he does that is through our emotions. We're going to deal with stress here tonight. Anger is another one we're going to look at. Fear, worry, loneliness. All of these are emotions. 
All of these are things that we find in, in every person who has ever lived. In 2 Corinthians 7, I believe we're going to see some things on how to find success over our stress. There's no way to eliminate the stress, so you can wipe that option out. But we can manage it. We can find success over it. The only people I know who are not stressed are already in the cemetery, and so that's, they're beyond needing this message. Some stress is good. We need it to motivate and to help us. But too much stress is bad. Some stress is healthy. It keeps you on your toes and out of trouble. But some stress is unhealthy and it can send you to the hospital or to an early grave. Someone said stress is like a wife. It will either make you or break you. Let me give you a family stress test. You ready? They said your family might be under stress if, number one, your family conversations begin with, put the gun down and then we can talk. <laughs> your family might be under stress if the school principal has your phone number on speed dial. Your family might be under stress if your cat is on Valium. Number four, your family might be under stress if you are trying to get your four-year-old to switch to decaf. <laughs> that does happen, by the way. It does. It's very real. Number five, the number of jobs held down by family members exceeds the number of people in the family. Your family might be under stress if no one has time for microwave dinners. <laughs> your family might be under stress if law enforcement officials often mediate your family meetings. If you must check your kids' daytimer to see if they can take out the trash. Your family might be under stress if you have begun to explore the possibilities of setting up a drip IV solution for espresso. And here's the tenth one. Your family might be under stress if antacid tablets have become your primary source of nutrition. Well, these probably don't all fit your family, but there may be some. Uh, aspects of it. And our families are under tremendous pressure and stress today, much greater than maybe any generation that's lived before us. And even though stress has always been a normal part of life, everyone believes and is experiencing a dramatic increase in the level of stress today. Various jobs, we see law enforcement officers and the stress that they must have. I think about a chef, the stress that must be there. And, and practically uh, everybody that has a, a job dealing with people, there's stress. Um, it, it, there's, there's just stress involved. Stress-related disorders have increased by 400% in the last two decades without any end in sight. They don't really see that going down. Workers' compensation claims from stress-related illnesses rose 700% in the last 10 years alone. Tranquilizers, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications now account for 40% of all prescriptions written in the U.S. each year. 
Now, 2 Corinthians 7, this is a passage here in which um, God encouraged Paul. He's encouraging Paul after he experienced a great trial, great trials, I should say, in Asia and Troas. And the Apostle Paul experienced a lot of stress. He not only describes in, in 2 Corinthians stress that he faced, but also how to manage it. And we looked at verses 2 through 7, and I think we can find it contained right there. Now, remember, Paul was a saved man. He was a spiritual man. He was a spirit-filled man. But according to these verses and others, he was a stressed man. He had to learn to manage his stress so that his stress did not manage him. And the truth is, so do we. Learning how to manage our stress and experience success over our stress. Well, there's just there are two things I want us to look at. There's a few points under these two. But first of all, we need to recognize the cause of our stress. In verse number five, Paul says, For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh, our bodies, had no rest. But we were troubled on every side, without, on the outside, were fightings. Within, that is on the inside, were fears. And so Paul describes his stress. Our bodies, our flesh had no rest. This word rest is simply a, a word that means to loosen, to relax, to relieve. Paul says, my body, there was no Looseness, there was no relaxing, there was no relief, there was no rest. Why? Why didn't Paul have any rest? Well, he told us in verse 5, he says, Because I was troubled on every side. Every place I looked, every place I turned, I was troubled. Troubled means to be pressed down. It was used to describe the pressing down of grapes to get the juice out of it. Has your life ever felt like you're just being squashed and pressed and mashed and, and, and just everything that is in you is just being drained out of you? That word troubled is the same that's used in Hebrews 11 and verse 37 that says they were stoned, were sown asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute and here the same Greek word it's translated in Hebrews eleven thirty seven as afflicted. They were afflicted. And Paul says, I'm being troubled. I'm being afflicted. I'm being pressed down. What a description of stress. You're, you're troubled. You're afflicted. You're pressed down. And, and he says, my body has had no rest. Troubled on every side. Verse 5, again, without or fightings within or fears. Fightings refers to that combat in battle, speaks of strife and contention. What does strife and contentions on the outside create on the inside? He says fear. On the outside, I had fightings, strife and contention. On the inside, there's fear. He's, he's running scared. He's running with, with this, this uh, restlessness, no place of rest. He couldn't get things off of his mind. And don't miss this. Paul's physically tired. He's spiritually troubled. And it's leaving him stressed. 
Now, what's the definition of stress? There's a couple that I found, but I'm landing on this one. Stress is a response to a situation that a person perceives to be overwhelming and that the person does not think he or she can meet the demands of the situation. Again, stress has been defined as a response to a situation that a person perceives to be overwhelming and that the person does not think he or she can meet the demands of the situation. In other words, it's the gap between the demands placed on us and the strength we have in meeting those demands. In other words, over here we have our responsibilities, our obligations, our commitments that we're to do. And we look at them and we just simply conclude, I don't have the time to fulfill these responsibilities, these obligations or these commitments. Or we look at them and say, I don't have enough resources to meet my responsibilities, my obligations, my commitments. Or we look at them and say, I don't have enough skills to meet my responsibilities, my obligations, my commitments. Either way, this matter of stress occurs whenever we look at a situation, we perceive it to be overwhelming and that we do not think that we can meet the demands of the situation. It's that gap between the want to and our can't do's. And it leaves us frustrated, upset, causes unhealthy stress in our life. When you, your can do can't keep up with your want to, it can leave you full of unhealthy stress. And do you know what age group in this building has the most, according to research, the most stress? It's those between ages of 18 to 33. It's that millennial generation. According to the American Psychological Association, it says, quote, stress is the top health concern for U.S. teens between 9th and 12th grade. Psychologists say that, they, that if they don't learn healthy ways to manage that stress now, it could have serious long-term health implications, end of quote. Well, it's not all that surprising when you think about it. Think of the stress that's generated through both social media as well as the devices. Smartphones, iPads, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And we talk a lot today about the increase of cancer, rare cancer, what's causing this cancer, that cancer. But not a lot are, are talking about the stress. According to Dr. David Schreiber, a clinical professor at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine, he said, quote, stress causes inflammation and weakens your immune system. Two disadvantages in fighting against cancer. Though we can't avoid stress in our lives, we can learn to respond to it differently and reduce our level of stress hormones, end of quote. In the same article, he said, quote, genetic factors contribute 15% to our cancer risk. What determines the other 85% of our risk is what we do or do not do enough of with our lives. That's startling. And I want to say that many within the church do not have uh, a, a, a corner on this because there's a lot who are struggling with the stress department there. 
Listen to the findings of the Mayo Clinic regarding how mismanaged stress affects your body and behavior. On your body, they say mismanaged stress, it causes headaches, muscle tension or pain, chest pain, fatigue, change in sex drive, stomach upset, sleep problems. On one's mood, it affects this way, anxiety, restlessness, lack of motivation or focus, irritability or anger, sadness or depression. And then on your behavior, they've given three categories, your body, your mood, and now your behavior, they say it causes mismanaged stress, causes overeating or undereating, angry outbursts, drug or alcohol abuse, tobacco use, social withdrawal. This is mismanaged stress. Studies of heart attack patients found that 15 to 30% of those admitted to a medical center had suffered from severe emotional stress. I read about an elderly mountain farmer who had been involved in an accident between his mule-drawn wagon and a car driven by another man. Now, the farmer was suing the driver, claiming personal injuries due to the accident. When the farmer was on the stand, the attorney for the driver of the car said, Tell me, sir, isn't it true that after the accident you said you never felt better in your life? Well... The farmer began, that morning I got up, hitched up my mule to the wagon, put my hound dog in the seat beside me, and I started on down the road. The lawyer interrupted, please just give me a simple yes or no to the question. Well, at this point, the judge stepped in and directed the lawyer to let the farmer have his way in answering the question. Well, began again the farmer. That morning, I got up, hitched my mule to the wagon, put my hound dog in the seat beside me, and I started on down the road, and I just got over the rise of the road when this big car barreled into my rear end. My mule was knocked to one side of the road, my dog to the other, and I was pinned under the seat. Directly, a policeman came along, saw my mule had his leg broken, pulled out his pistol and shot him dead. He went over to my dog and saw it was hurt real bad and shot it in the head. Then he came over to me and asked, well, how are you feeling? And sure enough, I said I never felt better my whole life. <laughs> that gun in the policeman's hand made the anxious farmer respond accordingly. You know, things in our life can cause, the perception of those can cause a... a uh, a misconstruing, a misconception, and a misjudging of the situation. And someone said some things to say on a stressful day. One person said on a stressful day, he simply said to guests who stopped by, make yourself at home, clean my kitchen. Another one said, don't bother me, I'm living happily ever after. Another one said, on a stressful day, therapy is expensive, popping bubble wrap is cheap, so you choose. Another one said, errors have been made, others will be blamed. Who cares? On a stressful day, another one said, sarcasm is just one more service we offer. <laughs> That's customer service there. Uh, another one on a stressful day said, I'm just working here until a good fast food job opens. 
Another one said stress is when you wake up screaming and you realize you haven't even fallen asleep yet. On another stressful day, one said, I work 40 hours a week to be this poor. Another one said, is it time for your medication or mine? On one stressful day, one man said to his wife, I thought I wanted a career, just turned out I wanted paychecks. Another one at work went to his boss during a stressful time and said, how do I set a laser pointer to stun? <laughs> and another one said to his boss on a stressful day, I'm not tense, I'm just terribly, terribly alert. Well, how you manage your stress is very, very important. First of all, we need to recognize the cause of stress. I want you to see the second thing tonight, and that is, how do you respond biblically to the challenge of stress? We're all going to have it. We'll all face it. Even if you decide I'm going to do nothing, you're going to face stress. You know, I found back in June when we took our time away and went on vacation and it took several days, as I mentioned in that Sunday school hour, to simply unplug. It felt like it went through a detox of not doing anything. It just, and, and, it, and it's very healthy. I have learned and I am, I am absolutely convinced of the need and importance of getting away. Now, you can get away and still never get away. You can go on vacation and not really be on vacation. And it's amazing the people, the men that I met that were CEOs of this company or, or supervisor of this company and, and to listen to the same conversation between he and his wife concerning the very same thing. She would tell him, I told him, why would you come all this way on vacation to simply do work that you could have been doing back there that stressed you out in the first place? And so I said, I recognize the same thing. And about the fourth day, I finally put my phone in the, in the safe in the room and kept it there. And I let my wife be the one who was stressed out, who answered all the, the texts and the things that came in from, from the office. But, but even during that time, it was just a, it was a kind of a detox to, to be able to, to take a break. And by the way, there's a biblical concept that's there. But one of the things I found it, even when I was doing nothing, just trying to, to breathe. I was getting stressed out because I had, I had one decision to make. Christy would say, you got one decision. You choose where we would eat. And I got stressed out because I couldn't even make that decision without help. And I found it doesn't matter what you do or don't do. If you don't figure out how to manage and handle whatever it is you're facing, whether you're running 90 miles an hour or you're standing still with nothing, Stress is going to present itself, is going to be there. So how do we, we manage this? How do we get success over stress? We have to respond biblically to the challenge of stress. How did the Apostle Paul respond to the challenge of stress? Now remember, he, he had uh, fightings, no rest. He had fighting on the outside. He had uh, just, just constant things going on and it caused fear on the inside. How did he face the challenge of stress? Notice, if you would, please, verse 6. The first two words. Nevertheless, God. Amen. And every single one of this, this could be our testimony. Nevertheless, God. Those two words change everything, including our stress management. 
Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. Nevertheless, God. And what is it that God does? He comforts. This word comforteth, it means to call beside. It means to come along beside. It doesn't simply mean to console. This is not God just putting a, um, a, a, a polite arm around us to console us. No, it means to actively help and encourage and strengthen someone who's facing stress, undergoing a trial. This is God who is committed to doing something to help us, to equip us, to encourage us, to strengthen us. Listen, you tell me when you're in trouble and you're troubled like Paul on every side, outsider conflicts, insider fears, you can count on God to come alongside to help you. You can count on him. You say, but I'm not the, the apostle Paul. No, but you're you. And God created you. And God loves you. Christ died for you. And if he saved you, he's your savior. And he's your paraclete. He's your called along beside you to never leave you nor forsake you. I love what Psalm 124 verse 8 says. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Earth, Psalm 124 and verse 8. Don't you think that if God can make heaven and earth that he can help you and guide you in managing stress? Jeremiah 32, 27, you've heard this one. Many of you know this one. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? The answer is no, nothing's too hard for him, including the management of unhealthy, unholy, unproductive stress. See, managing stress, listen, it starts and it ends with God. And let's get real practical for these few minutes and we're done. I want to give you five responses to the challenge of stress that can turn stress into strength. That can turn your problems into platforms. Now we'll all start with the P here. So first one, response number one, is praying. Praying. Let me ask you something. When Paul was so stressed, without were fightings, within were fears. Who was the source of Paul's comfort? Who was it? It's God. If you paid attention in the verse, you'd see it was Titus that came and brought comfort. Well, <clears throat> yes and no. God used Titus to comfort him, but it was God who sent Titus. So who is it that Paul's praying to? Who is it? And prayer is an act of declaration of dependence upon. It is God. God was his source. As Paul cried out to God, God answered Paul by sending Titus to comfort him. In verse 6 again, Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. You remember in 1, Corinthians, or excuse me, 1 Kings 17 when Elijah was told by God to hide by the brook Kareth. And there in verse number 6 it says, And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening and he drank of the brook. Now, the raven was not the source, nor was the brook the source of Elijah's sustenance. 
It was God. It was God. That's why Elijah didn't pray to the brook or thank the ravens. No, it maybe would not have been appropriate, inappropriate to have thanked the ravens, but he recognized God was the one who directed. And aren't you thankful that Elijah's ravens still fly today, still will meet your need? There's no reason to be ever overstressed or stressed out when you can get success in your stress through praying because God is the source. Just as God used the ravens in the brook to meet Elijah's need, God used Titus to meet the needs of Paul to reduce his stress and God knows how to meet your need and help you conquer your stress. Psalm 50 and verse 15. And call upon me in the day of trouble, God says, I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. So response number one, praying. Say that with me, praying. Number two, response number two, praising, praising. Think of the stress that Paul and Silas experienced while in jail, not knowing if they were gonna live or die there in Philippi. Do you remember how they managed their stress as recorded in Acts 16, 25? It says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and then sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. How did God reduce their stress? Well, the next verse in Acts 16, verse 26, it says, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. Listen, the next time you find yourself stressed out, Stop and pray and then add a little bit of praise and see the difference that it makes. God's people ought to be the most powerful people to walk this earth because they ought to be the most praising people upon this earth. So number one, praying. Number two, praising. Number three, pursuing. Pursuing. Pursuing what? Good question. Pursue those things that are in your control, which means avoid pursuing the things that are out of your control. You know, Titus wasn't there. So what did Paul do? He turned his attention to God. That's about all he could pursue at the time was God. Let me ask you something. How much stress are you adding to your life over things that are out of your control. You go to the doctor and he wants to do a biopsy and he says, it'll take a few days to get the results and our office will let you know. Now what you do from there will determine whether or not you're walking with God. Do you leave that office and go your own merry way and simply wait to hear from the doctor's office or do you begin stressing over something that is totally out of your control? You know, you're going to save yourself a lot of stress by pursuing the things that are in your control and pass on the things that are out of your control. According to one source, 40% of Americans say they lie awake at night because of stress. Man, I don't get too many nights. I can't afford to lie awake at night over something I can't control. Why don't you pursue praying? Talk to the one who's in control. Why don't you pursue praising? Amen. And why don't you pursue the things that you, can, that you can get a hold of and the things you can't, just let it go. Let God take care of it. 
God's never looked into your life and said, oh no, what are we going to do? <laughs> no, he did just fine before you. And he did fine with a lot more bigger things than what we face. But he's doing fine when you trust him with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. And all of your ways acknowledge him. You'll find he's quite capable of directing our path. I dare say that a lot of people are missing sleep, stressed out about things that are out of their control. Don't you borrow trouble. You don't need to. Leave it alone. So number one response is what? Praying. Number two, it's Praying. number three, it's Pursuit. number four, it's planning, planning. I believe we add some unnecessary stress in our life through poor planning. Now, I'm preaching to me. In fact, I preach to me all the time. It has truly been my, my philosophy that I preach I, as I work on these things. I'm, I'm working on what will help me, what I need to hear. And I think if I need it, somebody else might benefit from it. But if we will plan our work and work our plan, we're going to reduce the amount of stress in our life. One of the most potentially stressful mornings of our week, I, I dare say, is the Lord's Day. It's Sunday. And um, sometimes I'll come in Sunday mornings and I'll come to the back. I come in through the back and sometimes I'll stand and, and watch some of our moms come in and sometimes the guests that may come in. And uh, you don't have to be around that area very long watching the babies and the young children on Sunday mornings and, and uh, the, the young moms and dads. And, and you find out that some are extremely stressed and they're relieved when they arrive and their children are fed and dressed and, and can pass them off without too much uh, uh, problem or difficulty. But I recognize Sunday mornings, they're some of the most um, potential-laden, stress-filled days. You know, Saturday nights, we try to prepare. We lay things out, get the kids' clothes out, and try to prepare ahead of time. We try to anticipate everything that could possibly come up. Does that mean that, that we've eliminated all stress from Sunday morning? Nope, nope, not at all. There's always room for more. But it runs a whole lot smoother just because we've, we've made a, a, a plan, a strategy. And so Sunday mornings may never be stress-free. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. And, and even if you decide, I'm just not going to go to church, you're going to have more stress than if you ever attempt to go to church. And, and you're not going to get away from it. What I'm saying is we can manage the stress by planning ahead. And so think through some things and write down some things. So number one, our, our first response ought to be what? Praying. Number two ought to be praising. Number three, pursuing. Number four, planning. And then one more, it is pausing. Pausing. When stress starts to rise, take a 10-minute time out. Now, stress, and some of you may have diabetes, you may have high blood pressure. But stress really doesn't mix well with much of anything. When you're under physical, mental, emotional strain, your body starts to pump out hormones. It's going to raise your blood sugar. A 10-minute pause during the day is going to help clear your mind. Maybe some of you need to take a 10-minute pause so that the people around you can get some clarity and, uh, and help them. Um, you say, I don't think I need it. People around you might need it. And so... 
take a 10 minute pause, take a nudge from them when you need to step back and call a timeout. You know, it wouldn't be so bad maybe in our homes or workplaces. And, you know, if they don't know, <laughs> I didn't even finish it, we got amens there. Uh, you know, that, that, that stress-filled person, they may not know when to call a timeout. Maybe if we armed everyone with yellow flags, they can just throw a flag when it's time to, or what is it, Brother Cherry in hockey, when you put them in the penalty box and, and just, uh, maybe if we had some, people are looking around, don't be looking around this time. Uh, heads bowed, nice, close. no, not yet, just look this way. But we all, we all need, need those times of pausing. Pausing during the day will clear our mind, relax our bodies, help us cope with, with the pressure. How heavy do you think this little bottle of water is? It's not. And it's really not the issue of how heavy is it. It's really a, a matter of how long can I hold it. A minute is not a problem, but an hour, my arm will begin to ache. If I hold it for a day, you'll probably need to call 911, they say. Just something this small. Though with time, it weighs less due to the water evaporating and it becomes lighter. The longer you hold it, the heavier it seems to become. The longer you hold something, sooner or later, you'll not be able to carry it for it. It will become heavier the longer you hold it. What I have to do is I have to put the glass the bottle of water down. Rest for a while before holding it again, before picking it up again. Remember this, God is our comforter. He comes alongside to help us to carry our burdens. Managing our stress involves recognizing what causes it. Managing our stress and finding success over stress, it involves responding to the challenge of stress. How do I do that? By praying. By praising, pursuing, planning, and pausing. Don't let stress manage you. Get success in your stress. If there's no other two words you remember, remember 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 6. Nevertheless, God. Let's stand together, please.